This morning we're going to finish up talking about the humility of Jesus Christ. And from that, that will lead us into the Daniel fast. So this is preparation. <clears throat> and <clears throat> we've looked at humility as being the one step, not the only one, but one of the steps to allow us to be transformed. And transformation simply means becoming more and more like Christ. And... Uh, If you'll turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. <clears throat> I think it's impossible for us to be transformed without being humble. If we don't come to that place of humility, then we're never going to be able to be transformed. Caleb, can you run back there and get me my drink? Thank you. In Romans 12, 1 and 2, we've looked at it. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. If we are going to do this, if we are going to present ourselves as a living sacrifice, if we're going to desire to be transformed by God, then it is impossible to do all that he says to do and be prideful, to be arrogant. We have to be humble. And it's hard to be a living sacrifice when you're demanding your own way. It's impossible to be transformed in your mind when you're demanding your way all the time, instead of allowing God to have His way in our hearts and in our minds. Being transformed and being that living sacrifice is where we're saying, God, not my will, but Your will be done in my life. If it's anything short of that, then you're not being transformed. And you're not walking in humility and you're not becoming that living sacrifice. And yet in our Christianity, we try and do that all the time. A living sacrifice says, God, your will, not mine, no matter what the cost. <clears throat> it means submitting to God. It means submitting to his ways and his plans for our lives, just like Jesus did. That's why it's so important that we understand the humility of Jesus so that we can walk in that. Because Peter says that he left us an example. Jesus himself said, just before they took Passover and, and as they... As he washed the disciples' feet, he said, I'm leaving you an example that you would follow me. And it was an example of humility and servanthood. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, this is something that we've looked at. It says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. In other words, he's saying there's a sound mind that you can have in Christ. But there's a responsibility that we have to make this our mind. Just because it's available doesn't mean that we grab it, that we walk in it. We have to be obedient to what he says. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ. Verse 6 says, Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, 
he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And it's amazing to me that he talks about Jesus' humility, but he does it in light of not emptying himself and anything else, even though that is a humility. But he says even the, his main humility is, going to the, is willing to die. And he says and not just die, but death on a cross, which was humiliating as well as painful. There was no room for pride and arrogance in Christ for him to submit to the will of the Father. And we see that in Scripture throughout his walking. We see it before he goes to the cross in the garden. Father, not my will, but your will be done. If this cup can pass, let it pass. <clears throat> so I don't believe for a minute we can be transformed, become more and more like Christ without humbling ourselves. And, and it's our responsibility to do that. And we'll see that in just a second. But true humility is knowing that we aren't God. I know that sounds like everybody ought to know that, but there's some of us who haven't figured that out. You are not God. This world does not revolve around us. It revolves around Him. He alone is God. <clears throat> and as we looked at Jesus modeling true humility in these verses in Philippians, <clears throat> this was a mindset that He had, and, and Paul tells us that we're to have the same mindset. But what is interesting to me, and, and we've been looking at this, and I've done it on purpose, but it's the verses before this that really triggered me. Let's read them. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. He says, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, Complete my joy by being of the same mind. He doesn't say of being of the same church, being of the same anything else, being of the same mind. Having the same love, being in full accord, and of one mind. So obviously the mind is important here. Our mindset, our attitude is definitely important. Verse 3, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. <laughs> Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. And then you go into verse 5 and it's talking about the mind that Christ had and and all of that that we've been looking at. It, he's saying, look, Christ has left you an example. I, I'm calling you up. I'm calling you higher. I'm calling you out of your mind and into the mind of Christ. But this is what it looks like. You have to be humble. You have to walk in humility. Life is not about you. 
And as the Holy Spirit through Paul is telling us how we're to live, what attitude and mindsets we are supposed to have to become more and more like Christ, we find out that it's a choice. (laughs) It's a choice. It's there for the taking. The mind of Christ for us is there for the taking, but that doesn't mean that we're going to do it. That doesn't mean we're going to walk in it. It's a choice that we have to make. And he uses the word mind three times in this whole set of scriptures. So it's important that we understand the importance of our mind. And so as Jesus walked in humility, so are we to walk in that humility. And Jesus' model, and and as he walked in that humility, he gave us example of what our thoughts should be and what they should look like. And so you can compare your thoughts to what you read in Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 5. And if it doesn't agree, then change your thoughts. That's what transformation is all about. That's what renewing your mind is all about. That's what becoming a living sacrifice means. It means that when you find what God says and you're not doing it, you change. Whew. Think about it for a moment. How much better would this world be if we took this approach in our lives about humility, about humbling ourselves? When we aren't spouting our ideas and our wishes all over the place and we're expressing the humility of Jesus just like Jesus did. You know, it's amazing how Jesus walked. He just walked. His main concern was, am I pleasing the Father? He wasn't concerned about how many people were following him. I don't even think he would have had a Facebook page. Maybe he would have. I don't know. Peter speaks of the example of Christ that we're to follow as well. Uh, turn with me, First Peter chapter 2. And what's so amazing about this is when Peter's writing this, he's speaking to the church that is under persecution. Things aren't going well for them. They're having a difficult time. And so Peter reminds them of the life of Christ. And, he, and he's like, this is how you need to walk as well. First Peter chapter 2, verse 22. Speaking of Jesus, because just before this, he says that he left us an example that we should follow, and I just didn't have time to put it in here. 1 Peter 2, 22. He committed no sin, speaking of Jesus, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. You see, when we walk in humility, it doesn't matter what other people think about us. What matters is, is God, what do you think about us? Am I pleasing to you? We, we don't care about anybody else. We're not trying to get more likes or anything else. We're, trying to, we're honing in on God. I just want to be pleasing to you. Change me. Do whatever you need to do in me so that I can become more and more like you. When we walk like Peter tells us to walk in the humility of Jesus, then... We're not always trying to prove our case. And how much more loving this would be than making our case and sharing with others what's on our mind. You know, Facebook is not always good to find out what is on other people's minds. 
It's sad when you are on Facebook for any length of time. It's sad to find out what is on people's minds. Now, there's some good out there, but there's a lot that you're like, why would you post that? What is wrong with you? So, a question has to be, how was Jesus so humble? What made him so humble? And it's a very simple answer. And sometimes we can gloss over it. But it's this. He knew who he was. He knew who he was. I didn't bring it in, but I'm remembering it now in John chapter 13. I I believe it's verse 1. If it's not 1, it's somewhere 1 or 2. And it says, Jesus, knowing where he came from and knowing he was returning, then he set the example and washed the disciples' feet. Jesus knew who he was. He knew who his father was. He had the right identity, and he was willing to do whatever it took to please the father. It wasn't his will. It was the Father's will for his life. And that was the humility that he had. He remembered that when he was walking in the flesh, he wasn't God. Even though he was. Try and figure that out. No, don't. Don't spend your time trying to figure it out. Trust him. It's so interesting when you see his life and you you look at it. He didn't try and prove himself to the world. He didn't put billboard signs out. He didn't send out letters and declarations of who he was. He let the Father take care of all of that. He just loved the world. He didn't make everyone agree with him. He let the Father take care of who agreed with him and who didn't. He lived his life with the identity, I'm going to please my Father. What would happen if we would take that as our approach? Woo! I think Jesus would be back soon. In other words, in all that Jesus did, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. And because of that, he was able to change the whole world He opened up heaven for all of humanity to be able to be saved through his sacrifice. If we would find out that we are not God and we would quit trying to prove that we are and we would entrust ourselves to him who judges justly. And because Jesus did this, I want to read to you again out of Philippians 2, 9 to 11, because the Father responds to humility. God responds when we walk in humility. And it says this, after Jesus all, did all of this in his humility of obedience to death, even death on a cross, it says in verse 9, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And, and I bring this up again because I want us to understand the, the power of humility. When we are choosing to walk in humility, then 
we will see God work in us and work for us and do supernatural things for us that we don't even have to do ourselves. He just takes care of us because we're saying, God, I just want to be pleasing unto you. We remember that God is God and we aren't. That's a good picture of humility. And for the record, I don't even want his job. I don't know why he wants it, but he's doing a good job at it. But I couldn't imagine, you know, it's hard enough taking care of myself. I couldn't imagine taking care of somebody else, too. Mm. And when we turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4, when we walk in humility, there's benefits to that that we receive down here. But again, I just want to remind you that humility is a choice. It's something that you have to choose for yourself. And it's better for us to choose it than to have God humble us. All right? We might get into that later next week, but trust me, it is. Because when we choose to walk in humility then we have access to the throne of God and all the benefits that come from it. And those benefits, some of them are stated in Hebrews 4, starting in verse 14. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. What's our confession? God, I'm not you. I'm just me. Okay? And I'm entrusting myself to you who judges justly. Verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. And so this is ours for the taking, but it's only ours if we're humble. When we're humble, we know who we are. We know that we're not God. And we can draw near to his throne of grace. And when we draw near to the throne of grace, that's another level of humility because you're recognizing, God, I couldn't save myself. I couldn't do what it takes to bring me into right relationship with you. It's by grace that I'm saved. So this is a, another level of humbling in our identity. But when we do that, then we can come with confidence before God and receive mercies for us. And we can receive grace for the help that we need it for. And it says that, verse 16, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. That can be translated boldness as well, but it can't be translated pride or arrogance. You can be confident without being prideful. You can be bold without being arrogant. And this is all ours because when we walk in humility, we can trust God and we can trust the work of Jesus. Humility is so powerful as it gives us access to God's throne. 
If you'll turn with me to James chapter 4. As exciting as humility is, the opposite isn't exciting at all. And so we're going to look at two scriptures and we're going to see how when you're not humble, you don't put yourself in a good place, in good standing with God. In James chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 4 and it says this. Now wait a minute before we read it. He's writing to the church. All right? He's not writing to unbelievers. He's writing to the church. Everybody say, he's writing to the church. All right? James 4.4. 4. You adulterous people. He's not writing to the unsaved. He's writing to the saved. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. He's writing to believers. And before we go on, just if you haven't figured this out, it's not good to be at odds with God. It's not good to be his enemy. Verse 5, or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So when we're demanding of our own way, when we're telling God how we're going to live, when we're not wanting to submit and humble ourselves, then we're being prideful. And he says here, God's opposing us then. That's not a good place to be. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Verse 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Submitting. You're not going to submit yourself to God without being humble. All right? It, it's not going to work. You're, I'm not sure that the body of Christ has completely figured this out, that God is not going to make exceptions for you. You know, there's a lot of us who think we're so special with God that he's going to allow us to have our own way. He's going to allow us to do our own thing. And then we're going to demand of him to bless us. Uh-uh. That's not what submitting is. Submitting is saying, oh, all right, God, I give you my life no matter the cost. I'm, I'm going to become that living sacrifice for you. All right. Continue verse 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. I always like to pause in here because there's some people who just want to confess the second part. I'm resisting the devil. Well, you can resist the devil all you want, but if you're acting like him and living like him, he's not going to leave. 
He tells us to submit ourselves, therefore, to God first. Then resist the devil, and he'll flee. But if you try to resist the devil before you submit it yourself to God, he ain't fleeing. All right. Y'all excited about that, so we'll move on. Verse 8. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. How simple is that? And what do we do as soon as we get into problems? God, where are you? How come you left me? Who says that he did? But the real question is, is even in what we're going through, and, and James is writing the same, kind of like the same letter of, of, that Peter is writing. He's writing to the church that is being persecuted. And it, these are words of encouragement. And he's saying, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. All right, we'll go through the next few verses quickly, okay? Oh, remember, he's writing to the church. <clears throat> Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Isn't it amazing how the mind plays a part of this? Verse 9, be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves, therefore, or before the Lord, and He will exalt you. So James says that God opposes the proud. So how do we know if we're proud? Easy question. If you want to know if you're being prideful, Here's your litmus test. You ready? Are you a friend of the world? Simple as that. Are you being conformed to the ways of the world? Or are you being transformed? Because if you're being conformed to the world, if you're making the world your friend, James says that God opposes you. You've become God's enemy. James says that God is jealous for us. For having that relationship. That he's created us for. He, he longs for that. He hungers for that. But he can't violate our will for it. If you want to be friends with the world, then you're not going to be friends with God. If you're going to be friends with the world, you're not going to draw near to him. We have to understand that if God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble, then there's opposite mindsets that are going on here. There's the way of the world, and then there's the way of God. And if you're giving yourself to the way of the world, then you're making yourself, and that's what James said, you're making yourself an enemy of God. We cannot say we want what the world has for us, 
and want what God has for us at the same time. They can't coexist. And God will not stop you from doing your own thing and from choosing the way of the world. He will not. Now, you might have consequences to suffer from that. But, and, and it's not always just being a friend with the world, but it's, it's also just not giving God, not submitting to Him. Because I, I've met so many people who have declared who they are and what they want God to do, and it, it's in disregard of what God wants them or for their lives. It's us trying to exercise our will over His. Then we're proud. And we make ourselves an enemy of God and God opposes us. And that's not a good place. 1 Peter chapter 5, please. 1 Peter chapter 5. And the awesome thing about God is... He always gives us time to repent. He always gives us time to change our mind. But there is a day of reckoning that comes. And as we prepare for the fast, I, I just want to encourage you, let's decide to humble ourselves and, and let's go into this fast. God, have your way in my life. I'm tired of demanding my own way and not getting it from you and being frustrated and mad at you. Let's just lay our lives down and say, God, whatever you want with me. First Peter chapter 5. And you could, this actually starts in verse 1, but we're going to start in verse 5. But again, Peter is writing to the church that is under persecution, that has been dispersed. Okay, they're, they're not having a fun time. First Peter 5, 5. Likewise, you who are younger... Be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility. Everybody say humility. Toward one another, and this is the reason why, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. So I, I just want to pause here for a moment, because who's supposed to do the humbling? We are. He says, humble yourselves, therefore. So I want to encourage you, it pays to humble yourself, because he says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Isn't that amazing? Not under somebody else's, not under yours, but under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he might exalt you. You know, and that is so foreign to the way the world is. The world says it's got to exalt its own self and it's got to promote its own self. And God says, hey, if you want to be great in my kingdom, then become low. Whew. All right, that's another day. Verse 7. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded. Another mind thing that he tells us. 
Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. That humility is the key. Being humble is the key that will give us access to all that God has for us. We're to clothe ourselves with humility. We're to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. And that's just simply meaning that we're submitting to God in His way, in His will for our lives. We're becoming that living sacrifice that says, God, not my will be done, but yours in me. In other words, we're acknowledging that our life is not ours, but it belongs to God. And our will is not our will any longer, but we give it to God. And we live according to His plan, not according to the way of the world. And the promise if we humble ourselves, so that at the proper time, He may exalt us. If God exalts you, he'll keep you and you don't ever have to worry about it. But if we exalt ourselves, then we have to keep doing it. And I just want to encourage you and, and tell you this. If you're exalting yourself, that's a heavy burden to carry. That's a heavy burden. In James and Peter... These passages, there's tremendous promises towards those who humble themselves before God. First, we get to draw near to God. And in drawing near to God, we realize that we're not enemies of God. We're not being opposed by God. We have access to receive His mercy and His grace to help us in our time of need. But the second one is, is we get to resist the enemy and know that he has to flee. And I want to encourage you with those two promises, those two results, that's a good life to live. That's a good life to live. That's the fruit of being a living sacrifice for the Lord and having our minds transformed so we are becoming less and less like the world and more and more like Christ. And as we start our 21-day Daniel fast, All of us, I'm, I'm believing all of us, can find areas in our lives that we have to repent of. And look at pride first, because you don't want to go into this fast being prideful. Humble ourselves. And let's do that so that God can be exalted in our lives, including over our will and our way. Let's straighten all of this out first. Let's, let's walk in the repentance first and, and humble ourselves. I mean, repentance is humble, right? It's humbling yourself. It's saying, God, I haven't been walking your ways, but I'm choosing to now. So let's get all this straightened out so we can draw near to God without reservation. As I've mentioned, I'll be sharing about the blood of Jesus.
there'll be certain scriptures that are um, foundational scriptures for me uh, as we go through it. And some of them we'll get right away and some of them we'll get as we come down. But I also want to say that Christy has come up with some stuff and um, are we going to get it on Facebook? Or, all right, be looking for whatever Christy's going to do. I, she knows how to do it all. But it, it'll be things that you can look at on a daily basis, scriptures that you can look at that are coming from the message so that um, we can glean all that we can during this fast from God. And I wanted to take this take communion this morning so that we can start everything off right. And let's take communion realizing that we're not God. We're humbling ourselves. But we're also thanking God for what He's done for us.